today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. Controversy in Niagara. The uh, Niagara Catholic District School Board has decided at the last minute to cancel performances of a play called Boys, Girls, and Other Mythical Creatures. Now, the play was slated to be performed for students uh, in grades 1 through 4, uh, and has been, by the way, performed in other schools in that area over the last little while. But uh, a last-minute cancellation by the uh, the Catholic Board there has the director and playwright of the St. Catharines Theater uh, confused, to say the least. Her name is Jessica Carmichael. She published an open letter on the theater's website uh, saying that she did not receive a satisfactory or open conversation about why, over the course of 48 hours in the last week, the schools in question all developed scheduling conflicts. What a coincidence. Uh, With a planned presentation, of course, of the play, it's uh, about an eight-year-old named Simon who feels boxed in by the restraints of gender. And we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the play itself and and the the intent of the play, but certainly the reaction to the play uh, has been rather swift from a, a number of different people which I guess is somewhat surprising and somewhat disappointing to a lot of us. Joining us to talk about this is our good friend Theo Sellis, registered family therapist, president of Integrity Works, and always a welcome guest on the Bill Keller Show. How are you doing this morning, Theo? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Top of the world. A little wet, but I'll, I'll survive. It's uh, you know, just part of the thing. It's springtime here. Uh, talk to us about your, your read on this story. I mean, I, I want to talk a little bit about the play itself and what it was going for. But it, I think this goes an awful lot towards some of the conversations we've had in the past, Theo, about acceptance and about uh, veiled uh, homophobia uh, and a number of other things that I think may well be at play here. You're not buying that. It's a coincidence that five um, Catholic schools have mysteriously developed conflicts. No. I mean, I know they can get really busy really fast, but uh, I mean, after one of the board trustees, uh, who happened to be a priest, uh, saw the performance, all of a sudden these other schools uh, decided that they had conflicts. It's really it's really sad. You know, I, you know, I laugh about it because what else are you going to do at some point? Like, It's just so sad that this continues because if the purpose of the play is to create awareness and some questioning and uh, overall acceptance, you would think these are the things that schools would really get behind. Uh, and well, and you know, some did. Some, some schools did. Sure. And, and, and acceptance in general, as a general principle, seems to be, I don't know, I always heard that's associated with Christian principles. So acceptance, making sure that people feel included and safe and uh, everyone's loved equally and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's, it's frustrating uh, that this continues to happen, you know. And, and, and the response, the part of it that really bothers me, not just the ex- exclusion, the, uh, you know, the, sh- the, the shutting down the play or not showing the play, I think what also bothers me a lot about it is, is the type of response, the non-committal response. Like, instead of just coming right out and saying, no, this contravenes our values, uh, it's like, well, we've all had conflicts. And it seems like, again, that's sort of some, so such an anti-education way to go about things. You know, like education, I always thought schools were supposed to be about like an open discussion and being upfront and people being uncomfortable and then exploring why they're uncomfortable and having discussions about an open dialogue. And, and that's how people learn and develop critical thinking and all that kind of stuff. So even the response just seems to be at odds with what I would hope to happen uh, in an education sort of setting. Except... <laughs> Except that sounds wonderful when they talk about that in, in, in glorious terms and, in, you know, in, in vision statements and things like that, Theo. But, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 w- I was raised in, in a Catholic education system, uh, especially through elementary school. And, uh, and i got to tell you, uh, even when you're six, seven years old, I mean, you like to question. You're inquisitive. 
Uh, but in those days, uh, you weren't asked a question. You weren't asked to have dialogue. You were asked to basically memorize word for word yeah. the definitions of religious terms and religious mores and ideals and live by them and not question them at all, uh, which seems somewhat counterproductive to what you've just said. Yeah, that's the irony, right? So if the play is about questioning, you think that questioning would be a really you know, keen part or like a really big part of education because questioning is associated with curiosity. And how can you learn anything really without expressing curiosity? And it's, it's very difficult for me because I see the outcome of the, uh, of the not inviting curiosity and critical thinking and questioning because I honestly, half of the time, I'm sure half of what I spend doing in university is teaching students how to learn, how to be critical thinkers, as opposed to uh, them coming in expecting me to fill them up with some information that they're supposed to memorize just long enough to regurgitate it back on the test, and then they can move forward and get the paper at the end. It's frustrating to see that this kind of thing isn't encouraged um, more, where people are going, yeah, this is a great thing. This is, like, really challenging. This is this play is actually about people questioning. We should, like, have great discussions about it rather than shutting it down and then, you know, hiding it under a wall of conflicts. Let me, let me give this context for those that may not know the story. The play is, is called Boys, Girls, and Other Myths mythological creatures. And, and according to the artistic director, Ms. Kars Michael, she says uh, the play is the central character is a, a boy by the name of Simon uh, who is inventing a fairy tale for a class assignment. That's, that's what the play is about. And in this play that he's, he's conjuring up, uh, he wants to be the princess. And uh, which I guess makes some people feel uncomfortable, Theo. But as as Ms. Carmichael went on to say, it's not about Simon's questioning. It's about whether the family surrounding Simon can accept their fears and find acceptance and continue to love nobody no matter what. It sounds to me as if everybody on that board should be watching this play as opposed to simply condemning it. Yeah, and wouldn't it be really cool to watch it and get a different, better insight into the lives of real people who have real struggles uh, so that you can better understand what's going on and help them. You know, it's not lost on me that in a larger context, this is happening at the same time as this Bill C-16 is being considered in front of Senate to extend uh, anti-discrimination protections to people who are uh, around issues of gender identity and gender expression, uh, transgendered. Mm -hmm. So... This, this is happening in a larger context where there's a consideration of a law which says it's going to state explicitly that there needs to be more of an understanding and acceptance and less discrimination. And in this, within this context, uh, you look at stories, and there's a story on the front page of the Toronto Star where a mother is talking about the experience of her two children, or one of them is a nine-year-old trans girl and her twin brother, and she talks about how her daughter is assaulted, her son was being held back from running for, for help, uh, older kids yanked down his sister's clothes to check out her genitalia. This is, so these are real stories. These are like real people. And what's, what's really frustrating about is when people hide behind ideology and discomfort and beliefs as opposed to really connecting to real human beings who are having these particular struggles and this is their life. Like what's more important? Real people with real struggles, real feelings, little girls, little boys who are really having a hard time isn't that more important? Isn't, this, isn't that more important than sticking by your rigid beliefs and ideologies that then prevents you from being able to have real empathy for people who are struggling and then might lead them to do, like, have a horrible, horrible existence, a horrible life, be suicidal, have all these mental health issues? 
What's more important, connecting with real people or holding on to positions? One of the uh, stories that uh, covered uh, th- this particular scenario here, I-, I can't remember which newspaper it was in, but I saw- they actually put some of the Facebook posts up about some parents who'd, who'd been told about this play. Uh, I guess a couple of them had actually seen it. And, and here's, here's variations on the theme that you've been talking about to me for years here, Theo. Uh, some of them suggesting, well, it's about a boy that dresses up as a girl, and it dresses up, and, and if you do that, it makes you turn into a girl, makes you want to yeah. be gay. I mean, are we still there? Yeah, well, I mean, it's willful ignorance, you know, It's and that's the frustrating part. I, and I've talked to you before that I, I've, I've really extensively read, gone through the sex ed curriculum to try to understand what people's issues might, people, what issues that people might have might be, and what I find frustrating is that, you know, the majority of the time it seems that the people who are protesting the loudest against it have never really read it and understood what it's really about. And don't no, but they've been, the, they've been told by somebody else what it is, and they simply take that as, as, as faith. Okay, yep, they don't like it, so I don't like it. Right. So instead of, like, like learning more about it and then getting more informed about the issues and understanding a little bit more about the dynamics and what actually happens with people and, and a little bit more learning more about gender identity and how that happens versus, uh, you know, what you're born with biologically, like, rather than informing yourself, just, you know, just state a position and be passionate about it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such a, and this is where schools, I think, need to be leaders. Like, they need to be leaders in teaching, you know, sort of rational, logical debate, exploration of issues rather than shutting things down. The, the frustration I'm finding here is that, like I say, this is, to many people that are listening to our conversation right now, saying, well, this is old ground, but it, it's, it's, it's reviving these old stereotypes once again. And, and I know that in some people's minds, the, the Ontario government's uh, sex ed curriculum is controversial. I, I, I've read it as well, and I, I, I don't agree with that. I don't get that. But it seems as if they're using that, that misinformation as the foundation for all of this stuff. And all boards of education are saying all the right stuff, Theo, Catholic and public, that we embrace this. And, yes, we want to love everybody as they are. But for the, somebody who is going to a Catholic school and all of a sudden the Catholic board like this says, we don't want our kids seeing a play about this, what's that, what kind of message does that send to those kids? Oh, that, that, that by, in other words, that stuff's wrong. That's bad. That's, that's the inference here. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, actually that's kind of ironic because, you know, that's the message a lot of people end up having about sex itself. Like, you know, a lot of people were raised in environments where you don't talk about it. So, what do you, what do you, how do you think about things that you don't talk about? Well, you tend to start thinking that there might be something wrong about it, or immoral about it, or indecent about it. Something you should be ashamed of. Something you should feel dirty about. So, because it's, you know, if we don't talk about it, then you have to hide it. And so then. If you really think about that in a larger picture, if people sort of see who they are as being some thing or some topic that can't be discussed, that's shut out, then they themselves end up feeling like they should start feeling about themselves, that there's something wrong with them, that there's something shameful about them, that there's something damaged about them, there's something not good about them. They, they, start, to, they start to feel like there's, some, there's something fundamentally not lovable or acceptable about themselves as people. Uh, they, they get that overtly through overt harassment and intimidation and bullying, but there's also that absence of love and acceptance that can lead people to feel like, you know, there's something about them that isn't worth loving and being accepted. And it's like a horrible experience for people to have. But when are we going to get over this this misguided idea that it, that if we if we talk about transgender and LGBTQ rights, 
that that it's in, it, that it's encouraging people to to do that. It's going to turn them gay, which which is actually what one of the parents wrote. Yeah, uh, you know, it, you know, this is where you know people are going to be really upset about hearing this. Some people are going to be upset about hearing this, but I I just think this is a this is why there's a really good argument from separating religion from from the state from education. You know, you can't allow people's personal beliefs to impact actual critical thinking, facts, information, science, research. You can't just allow people to have as an equal voice. This is like anyone's opinion is of equal merit in an educational setting. Education should be based on logic, critical thinking, research, science, facts, information. It shouldn't be based on ideology. This is one of the reasons why... Um, it, there's a good argument for being able to say, look, you can have your personal beliefs, but they maybe should stay out of a classroom. You can have your own personal beliefs, you have your churches, whatever it is, but we need to focus on education as opposed to education and personal belief are the same kind of thing. We, you know, when I teach at university, I can't just talk about my personal beliefs. I can't teach my personal beliefs. It has to be all research-based. So a lot of these opinions are not based on religion. I mean, are not based on research or logic or reason. They're just based on sort of feeling and a belief system. So where does this leave it? Where does this leave a young kid who's maybe a student in one of these schools uh, who may be questioning, who may have some 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 conflicting ideas. Uh, this this is sending, in my mind anyway, a pretty strong message. Well, don't go and talk to anybody in the school about it because they they just don't want to accept that that stuff even happens. They want to pretend that everybody's the same, and we're not yeah. all the same. Well, you know who? That's the cool thing about human experience is that you know being able to really explore and understand individual experience. It's such a much more interesting, more colorful world than the idea that we're all supposed to think alike be alike, look alike, sound alike. Uh, but of course, that takes more work, right? Stereotypes are easy uh, because you don't have to get to know people. <clears throat> so where does it leave uh, people like that? Well, it leaves people shunned, excluded, and feeling like there's something wrong with them and that there's really no place for them and that they have to hide who they are for fear of retribution. And, you know, that's one thing to deal with when you're an adult. Maybe you've got some skills and you've developed some strength and, uh, you know, you maybe develop your own support system. But honest to goodness, if you're just a little kid and all you want to do really is to be able to find friends, have friends, be accepted, play, uh, feel cared for, loved, and, you know, just be able to have a childhood, it's just too much for these kids to have to deal with. It's just too hard for them. We should be trying to make their lives easier, accepting them, reaching out to them, rather than putting them in a situation where they have to hide who they are. It's just too painful for them to have to deal with. Some people uh, that complain about this on social media were complaining about the fact that it said, well, it was it was too young, the grades one to four, you shouldn't be having subject material like this. Uh, and, and as soon as I read that, Theo, the first thing I thought of was that old uh, adage that we've brought out time and time again, that children aren't born with hate and with biases. They learn it. Uh, they learn right. it usually from their parents uh, more often than not and from family yeah. members. Uh, grades one to four seems to me the ideal time to open these, these, these discussions up so that they can be open-minded about this and before they, they start to, to get stereotyped and they start getting driven into the same ideological main mindset that, that others have about them and around them, whether it's in school or at home. Yeah, you know, and, and, and the point that's often lost on the critics, again, who haven't read the curriculum, is that the curriculum is graduated so that 
uh, certain topics are introduced at certain ages when it's appropriate for kids to be able to have that information, be able to discuss about it. So, you know, they oftentimes act as if all these topics are just flung down in front of great people in grade one who don't have the capacity to really understand, and then will become indoctrinated into thinking a particular way. The education curriculum is designed to be able to meet kids where they're at and give them the tools to be able to deal with and have the right words to use to discuss the feelings that they would have at different times in their lives and give them the tools to help themselves if they are going to be hurt or discriminated, to give them the tools to keep them safe. So, yeah, you know, kids in grades one to four, you're right. They don't come in with the desire to hate people. They're, they come in. They're ready to love. They're ready to be curious. They're ready to be interested. And I remember my friend, my, when, my, when my son was like, like, I think he was like two, and um, there's not a lot of black people in Port Perry, and my friend Jeff, he's a great guy, he came over and spent the weekend with us. He was the first black kid that my son Zach had ever seen. So after Jeff left, I asked him, so what did he think about him? He just talked about who he was as a person. Oh, he was fun, he was nice to play with, he, was, he loved the games and stuff like that. Never once did he mention the color of his skin. He just focused on the person, you know? So we have kids who are at that age, they're not thinking about discriminating. They're not thinking, they're curious. They're legitimately curious and interested in differences and exploring people and finding out what they're like and being able to play with them, get to know them. It's the problem is that we drum that curiosity. We start teaching kids what they're supposed to think, what's right for them to think, how they're supposed to think about some people versus other people. We actually teach that. And one of the things we're doing by removing these kind of plays is we're inadvertently giving them the message that there's a right way to think and there's right people to be friends with and other people's voices shouldn't be heard. So stop being curious. Stop asking those questions. Just do what you're told. Think what we tell you to think. And then they end up in university really not knowing how to learn. Sad. It's it's very sad. And I don't know how this thing's going to be resolved in Niagara, although I, I have my suspicions. Uh, as long as we keep the dialogue going, though, hopefully there's uh, there's a chance that uh, that maybe maybe the light will shine on some of these people. Theo, thanks as always. Uh, by the way, go to the uh, website, uh, integrityworks.ca. There's always some great links on many of the topics that we're talking about here. Have a great weekend, my friend. You too. Take care, Bill. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.